vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about the benefits of teaching improvisation and composition. Hello beautiful teachers, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a fabulous week so far. Today we're talking about the benefits of teaching improvisation and composition. This is inspired by the article which was released today on the blog from the wonderful Chrissy Ricker. So before we dive into the benefits, I want to let you know right off the bat that we have plenty of resources for you if you need some help with how to teach composition. So we have some free resources over on the blog if you search for composition or look on the creative page. We have, if you go to the top menu and go to hubs, you'll see creativity and that's where you'll find our composition resources linked nice and handily for you there. But also if you are a Vibrant Music Teaching member, we have lots of composing projects inside the library. So it's easy to go to the library and just use the menu items there to filter for composing and you'll see all our great composing projects there. There's loads to choose from. The first benefit of composing and improvisation is the teaching of scales. I love that this is the one Chrissy put first in her article because it's one I'm a really, really big advocate for. I think it's a trick that if you're missing it in your toolbox, oh my gosh, you're missing out on so much. Teaching scales through improvisation and then leading into composition if you want to get to that stage is absolutely the way to go. It helps students to see and feel what a scale is so they can get that concept of like, these are these patterns that help us make music. And it also helps them to see the benefit of learning your scales before you get to the fingering. So this is something I've talked about ad nauseum probably at this stage. So I'm not going to harp on it too much here. I am going to say that there's plenty of episodes of the podcast that you can go back to. So if you just search for scales on our podcast feed, you can definitely find a great one for you. But also we have a course inside Vibrant Music Teaching, which is called the Circle of Fifths Odyssey. If you're curious about this whole idea of teaching improvisation, teaching scales through improvisation, then that's a great place to start because you'll just be walked through it step by step and you can follow that 12 week plan or as many weeks of it as you want to do. And by the end of it, it'll really got under your skin how you teach scales through improvisation and how much that can change about the whole teaching game. Seriously. Benefit number two is teaching chord progressions. I love this one as well. And this is one that I do inside my piano power booster programs. So we build up to teaching students some chord progressions in there. It's just a fantastic way to be able to improvise. I love to do this with my students, first of all, by me playing a chord progression and them improvising over the top of it. So this can really be combined with the scales that we just mentioned, where I'm playing a chord progression, you know, a one, six, four, five or whatever chord progression I'm doing and they're improvising over the top. And then at some stage when they're ready, depending largely on their age and hand size, when they're ready to play chords comfortably, we'll do that same activity that we've done many times before, but I'll say, hey, How about we swap this time? Do you want to learn what I'm playing? 
and they think that's really cool and they get to learn it and then we can learn it in all the different keys and learn so much about song structure and then take that back to their written music and start to spot those progressions in their pieces. Because yes, even if they're only playing classical music, you will find some of those progressions in the pieces and you can use the hook theory site as well to look up which songs have certain progressions if you want to show your students that as well. Benefit number three is accompaniment patterns. And this one I particularly love actually for composing. So in a lot of the composing projects that I share on Vibrant Music Teaching, which are the ones I make up to use with my own students, what we do is we come up with chord progression or some kind of pattern or we come up with the melody first, but then I encourage them to try lots of different left hand patterns, accompaniment patterns, and they try those out in different ways through the the patterns that they've already created. So they've written maybe the structure they want or the underlying root notes that they want, but then I have them try it in various different left-hand patterns. It really gives them a good motivation to get comfortable with those patterns because they can hear what a difference that makes to their piece. And of course, if they're on the beginner side, I'll be demonstrating those for them so they can get a sense of which one they want to pick for their composition. But it's a fantastic way to expose them to all those different patterns and again get them to look at their pieces and see what patterns come up in their pieces as well so they can bring those back to their compositions or try some of the patterns from their composing project in their pieces to replace the left hand pattern that's already in it. Lots of fun ways to mess around there. And benefit number four that Chrissy has in her article is transcription and notation. So This one is huge because honestly, getting students to just notate stuff because they have to, they might not actually do that at home. Sorry to break it to you. Most of my students do do their theory homework, but it's a couple of pages and I'm never going to ask them to write out full pieces really by hand unless they're composing them themselves. And when they do compose them themselves, It's so useful because they write it down, they write down the notation, and invariably, if it's one of their first compositions, they write it in a way that they cannot read later. Yes, have we seen this happen? And then they get to learn this valuable lesson that, hey, music notation has to be incredibly accurate because otherwise you can't read it. So it's a really great lesson that you then don't have to hammer home the way I just did because they can see it for themselves. They have no idea what they wrote the week before. So hmm, maybe they need to write more carefully. That will go, internal dialogue will go on. You don't need to be the one to tell them. For me in my studio, I also have my students then put the notation into the computer notation software as well. So if they're anything like age eight or higher, depends on the student, but anyone who won't be frustrated by using a computer mouse, I have them input at least a few bars of their piece for themselves. And then I might input the rest. It depends on time and how frustrating they find it, how easily they can use a computer, etc. But they think that process is so, so cool. They love that it can be played back instantly. It's really fun. But I do make them write it all out by hand first. It doesn't have to be perfectly polished. Like we do have a lot of scribbles going on to indicate changes we make along the way in the handwritten version, but they do have to write at least most of it by hand. 
and then maybe some of it on the computer or maybe the whole thing on the computer. It depends on their age, but they learn so much from that process. One of the huge lessons that you may learn from this process as a teacher is how much your students don't actually understand rhythm or notes. <laughs> because sometimes students can be writing notes on the staff and you realize, hey, how are they reading their music? Because they have no idea what is going on when they're writing it themselves in notation, right? Even a student who is much further ahead or you thought they were in their reading can reveal some surprising issues once they start to write it for themselves. And those things can be ironed out through this process of writing it out because they clarify things with you or they check it in their own books and see how things work. But especially when it comes to rhythm, you can reveal some surprising things because you will have a student play something for you. Let's say it goes. And you'll ask them, OK, what note values do you think were in that? What, what way can we write that out? How does the rhythm go? And they'll say, oh, I think it goes ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, which is what we say for crotchet for beginner students. So, hmm, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but they need to learn that for themselves, right? And it can be a really hard process for them to break down what it is they composed, what they improvised, into how that would actually be notated, but they will learn so, so much from that process. So I would love to hear from you. Do you include improvisation and composing in your lessons? And what benefits have you seen come out of that? You can leave a comment on the blog post that goes along with this episode. It's on, at colorfulkeys.ie slash blog. If you ever get overwhelmed by all the different teacher training options out there, Vibrant Music Teaching is the place for you. We nickname our members Flamingos because they're masters of balancing all of the things and making it all work in a way that isn't overwhelming. We have tools to help you do that inside Vibrant Music Teaching. So go to vmt.ninja and sign up today.